In the latest episode of Vamos Verde, we are going to talk to one of the most prolific goal scorers in Major League Soccer history, Austin FC striker Giassi Zardes. We also talked to some folks who have been bringing the soundtrack to Austin's nightlife for over 20 years and are now providing the soundtrack at Q2 Stadium, their official DJ collective, Peligrosa. That's the latest episode of Vamos Verde. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hey, this is Elizabeth McQueen, the host of this song. And if you like conversations like the ones we have on this show, then you should totally check out The Write-Up, a podcast produced by our sister station, KUT. It's hosted by Owen Edgerton, and in each episode, he talks to writers about all the stuff we love to talk about here, creativity and inspiration and artistic process. I think you'll really like it. You can find it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Right on. Let's get started with the show. Hello, and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. But really, like, that's just the beginning. We start off talking about songs, but hopefully we end up talking about bigger things like life and art and the power of music. At least that's what we did this week. This week, we're doing a whole episode devoted to the band Sunflower Bean. Like, normally we'd do two acts, but this interview ran long and it was good and we all liked what the band had to say, so we decided to let this be the Sunflower Bean episode. Sunflower Bean is a trio out of Brooklyn made up of drummer Jacob Faber, guitarist Nick Kilvin, and singer-bassist Julia Cumming, and they play music that is both heavy, like in a 70s garage rock way and at the same time dreamy in a 90s melodic cure era way like those are the two things i think of when i hear the band and at kutx the radio station where we make this podcast we've really been enjoying their record human ceremony so we were all really psyched when they came into studio 1a our live performance studio here at the station and afterwards they sat down with me to tell me about music that changed their lives. And we went to the places that I like to go. Like, we started talking about individual musical experiences, and we ended up talking about existential crises and underage scenes and how important the story of a band can be apart from the music. So we're going to go straight through the interview, and we're going to start with Jacob and then go on to Nick, and then Julia will wrap things up. So here they are, Sunflower Bean. There's this band called Tom Starts Bandit, and they were living in Brooklyn for a little bit, and I got to see them live, and it kind of changed my life and reaffirmed a lot of things. They're kind of like a mix between The Grateful Dead and Led Zeppelin. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah, and then on, on record they get into like really crazy like psychedelic like acapella jam things and they're just like really Did you just say acapella? Yeah, they're both they both they're like it's pretty unexplainable. Oh yeah, and there's a two-piece. Yeah, guitar and drums. Twelve-string guitar and twelve-string like acoustic guitar and no drums. electric. Okay. Electric, okay. Yeah, electric. But yeah, and they're just and they both sing, and it's just incredible. And I saw them a lot at the be- during the beginning of Sunflower Bean. When uh, so, how old were you when you saw them? Um, seventeen, I think, or I might have just turned eighteen, I think. And were you, I mean, you were drumming at the time because yeah. you were already in Sunflower mm-hmm. Bean and you'd been doing, you'd been drumming for a while? Um, yeah, well, I started drumming for real um, and Nick was in another band called Turnip King and their drummer left for college and then so I filled in for about a year. Were yeah. you playing drums that much before you joined Not Turnip King? really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, did you, I mean, did you, so you mostly learned how to play the drums like playing live? Playing in like a noise rock band. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Right on, right on. So, so you had kind of just started playing. You'd been playing drums for not terribly long mm-hmm. when you when you saw this band. Yeah. Um, but what about seeing them? Like, was different than because um, I'm I'm assuming you were probably seeing a lot of bands at that yeah. time. It was just the they were so unbelievably tight and loose at the same time. Like they could just change and just flow through like time signatures. <laughs> Swing and then just like straight like four four like crowd rock. I don't know, the fluidity of it all was really kind of inspiring to me. Was that something that you felt like you were struggling with as a drummer at the time? Like how to how to get in and out of certain grooves or yeah. was that something you were trying to I think yeah I think I definitely I think seeing Edwin Edwin White that's the drummer seeing him drum was like oh that's how I would like to play the drums you know right on so yeah you said it reaffirmed some things for you like was there did you have some kind of like crisis of belief about music? Like no, I thought it would be like, this way, and then it wasn't this way, and then I saw this band, and it was that like way. like any high schooler is, you know, existential crises. I thought mode. existential crises were for people in their twenties. Yeah, is no. it happening in high school yeah. now? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, constant existential crisis, but about like everything. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think yeah, definitely, it was like, oh wow, like these are really amazing musicians who are like singing and rocking out, but also like beautiful and like pretty. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not very good at describing it's things, okay. but. It's hard to describe. Yeah. I mean, it's music. Like yeah. they're, on some level it's not, the more you describe it, the less magic yeah. it has, you know?
Did you start playing differently or like did you yeah. approach the drums differently? Yeah, definitely. I definitely was like, I gotta just almost be at peace with them, you know? Like don't, I don't know. Like just really try to like make music on them. Yeah, and I had played like the saxophone and studied jazz throughout like elementary school, middle school, and high school. So it was kind of like, I knew there was a way to apply some of those things to the drums, but before seeing Tom Starts Bandit, I didn't, I couldn't really figure it out. And so that helped me. I don't think I'm like nowhere even near that level yet, you know, but it's just like a constant kind of goal, like a, you know, in my head. It's a constant journey. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. There's so many different bands who have like musically influenced me. I think it might be more interesting to talk about bands that kind of influenced me in like terms of like um, approach to music and seeing like a band actually come together like in like a real community way or like in like a real like ethical way. And I think I've talked, it sounds silly, but I've talked to a lot of people around my age about this. And um, the record I'm going to say is the first Beach Fossils record. sort of like a new like you know how people say when punk rock was invented all of a sudden you could do it it was like sort of like the Ramones played three chords in every single song and and people heard that and it was like so fresh because they thought oh wow I could do that so when I, I when I first heard the first Beach Fossils record it was so simple, so um, so like um, nonchalantly recorded. Like every single song, like it wasn't. It it just made me feel like, oh, I could do that. You know, like home recording. It was like the home recording punk rock record for me. I've been playing guitar since I was eight or nine years old, but I was kind of, I was, I'm going to say 14 or 15, and I kind of was really into punk throughout eighth grade to ninth grade, and when I was in 10th grade, I started, you know, finding out about a little bit more weird stuff or lesser known rock bands and like Neutral Milk Hotel and... And one day we will die and our ashes will fly from the aeroplane over the sea. 
But for now we are young Let us lay in the sun And count every beautiful thing we can see I also started listening to a lot of very early Bob Dylan demos, so I got into a lot of folk. Come here, ladies and your gentlemen, and listen to my song. I'll sing it to you right, but you might think it's wrong. Just a little glimpse of a story I'll tell about an East Coast city that you all know well. It's hard times in a city, living down in New York town. Then, when I heard that Beach Fossils record, it kind of um, made me feel like, yeah, like anyone can record their own album. like community oriented and like ethically like a band like having an ethical center was that part of the beach fossils thing too um yeah definitely because they were sort of one of the bands that was kind of being born out of this scene in brooklyn i I guess i'm not really familiar with the scene like it is there like a is it a diy scene yeah yeah definitely and is it kind of like in the Fugazi, like, ethical, people shouldn't have to pay for music, all my shows are $5 kind of ethic? I would say, yeah, a a less intense version of that. There's a lot of really great DIY promoters in New York, and they have a very punk-rooted ethic. Of, like, access for everyone, everyone gets to do it. All ages, bands get paid first after, you know, you pay the door guy, and just, you know, making it about a community, and opening venues in abandoned buildings. And unfortunately, one of the venues that's sort of um, the main the main DIY venue in, in Brooklyn after all of them closed in the winter of 2014, not all of them, but like pretty much all of them, and a new one was born called Palisades, and it just got shut down over the weekend. Oh, man. So we're hoping that they come back soon. Is that the scene that you guys came out of, that Sunflower Bean started playing? For sure. I guess I guess mm-hmm. everyone being under twenty one, you kind of have to be associated yeah. with like a mm-hmm. all ages scene. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks so much. I feel bad because Nikki and Jacob both talked about things that are kind of um, contemporary, and I have just I haven't been able to find something that is has hit me as hard as like um i guess my, me falling in love with devo and then me also falling in love with brian wilson which happened like right next to each other like parallel There's time. 
kind of, I feel like, are on two sides of my brain, and then, like, I'm somewhere in the middle between, like, um, like, kind of, like, new wave and then, like, choral music, (laughs) (laughs) if that makes any sense. But I think both of them kind of, like, um, came, came to me at at very, a very, like, um, influential period, which I think was, like, maybe when I was, like, maybe 14, 15 is like, it just, it's like at, at those times when you really, um, need that kind of music, it sort of like finds you and sort of, um, defines your life. And that's kind of what it did for me. I I usually say that both those bands kind of like saved my life. Did you come about them just like through happenstance or did you have a friend who said like, man, you've got to hear this band kind of maybe I guess it would be like um oh my my dad showed me a lot of music throughout my life me and him are like really that's a big point of um connection for us so I think he kind of like planted those seeds and then I kind of like took them really like far I just remember like obsessively listening to Devo and obsessively listening to like Smiley Smile and being like I get it like this is this is it like it, it everything just kind of like um gelled and Devo I think is like I've always considered like since I really understood them just kind of like a perfect band they're a little like extreme (laughs) for everyone's tastes but um you know they're just kind of perfect like it's the perfect um combination of uh, of music and aesthetics and politics and art and it's it's like it's something that almost never works like an art project that can actually be a really really good musical project that really makes people feel something and that's like Mark Mothersbaugh so it just like it just really blew my mind and the songs can you know speak to you in different ways like over and over again The Beach Boys was it Smiley mm-hmm. Smile that you first started listening to, or was yeah. it like it was so it was it was Smiley Smile, Wild Honey, Sunflower. It was like all the post um, Smile kind of like disaster stuff that I was really really into because I mean the story is so insane and amazing to begin with. I've been in this town so long that back in the city I've been taken for lost and gone and unknown for a long long time. Get a look at that blue sky. 
and Brian just is like you can just get like just get lost in like everything about it. But um, I think I think especially in those albums, you can kind of it feels like it feels like something that's fallen apart. You can hear that um, kind that sort that sadness, mm-hmm. and that's one of the most interesting parts it almost sounds like a mix where things have been taken out because it's not you know smile it's like what kind of had to be made in order to keep the beach boys going because everyone was afraid of what you know smile was for better or for worse so it's that kind of it's that the kind of like emotional stuff that's in those records that stands out beyond the music that um kind of caught my interest and I also studied um like classical music in high school and like sang and uh, a lot of choirs and um, in like church choirs and stuff. And um, so I was really interested in uh, that kind of music. And it was sort of the perfect, different kind of perfect mix of um, pop, but also, you know, 60s and uh And if you, you're music. singing in choirs like the Beach Boys for harmonies, like there is no... There is no other band. I know it's that even it. comes close. I it's know. Like Ten Stars Bandit. It's like it's such a, <laughs> Jacob would say Ten Stars Bandit. <laughs> I've seen I've seen him in concert like I've seen him solo. I've seen him like two or three. Ah, I've seen him with the Beach Boys. I've seen the Beach Boys without him. I think one time there was like they were making a documentary about him, and they actually like they were um, interviewing people outside of wherever it was, and I I got to be interviewed, and I got I like cr- I like cried, like I was like Brian Wilson's as good as Mozart or something like that, and was like tearing <laughs> up. Yeah, and I think the guy was like, like, okay, like, go home. <laughs> so I don't think he made it into the documentary. Well, um, I mean, it kind of strikes me that the two things that you have going on, it, it actually sounds like they are actually, like, two opposite things that you're attracted to, which is, right? like, the, the <laughs> perfect coalescing of a band. Because you're right, like... Devo did the thing that all everybody wants to do and no mm-hmm. one can do, which is like bring it all together and make it popular. Like they yeah. weren't just like an underground band, like they had huge hits. Yeah. And they started out as a bunch of guys who were essentially like protesting, you know Kent State. Kent State. So uh yeah. It's there's that kind of like it all came together so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then and a lot of the early Beach Boys stuff does sound like perfection mm-hmm. but the stuff that you're attracted to is like and then over here it's when everything is falling yeah apart like there's this sadness and so do you feel like that's something that artistically you kind of go back and forth with like between like like this pull like a pull for like having it together and a pull for letting it kind of like the seams show I think so I mean I think that the the you know, all of that kind of shows no matter what in its own weird way, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, I th- and like you, like you said with Devo, it's like, 
you know, I could be like, yeah, like, let's all like get a bunch of like suits and, you know, do that thing. But that, you know, totally might not work either. You know, so you kind of I think it's it's good to look up to these things and then figure out what they mean for um, your own art and uh, what you're doing. I mean, I was I was talking with um, with Nick and and Jake about it the other day, but kind of like uh, we were really into the into the cure. Show me, show me, show me how you do that trick The one that makes me scream, she said The one that makes me laugh, she said Through her arms around my neck Show me how And I was trying to, like, get to the next level of, like, cure nerdiness and try to, like, do a bunch of research and, like, figure it out. Um... And there's a lot, there's a lot to figure out. And maybe I might be totally wrong. If I'm totally wrong on this, everyone can like, you know, whatever, um, can tell me I'm wrong, but I couldn't find like a really good story about Robert Smith. I couldn't find like, I couldn't find anything like super fun, interesting, super like messed up. I c- there was no, besides, you know, like the lipstick, whatever. And I was kind of like, oh, like that's you know, that's kind of like, that's, that's what it is. And I was wondering how that has maybe affected his legacy, legacy, even because the, the stories around music kind of have their own life besides the music and can almost, they, they, they can support it and, and keep it living longer. Like, you know, Lou Reed or all these things that are, you know, and even now like fat white family things that are kind of infamous that, you know, give the music even more context. So I think that there's like a lot of pressure now to be really perfect and to be really like, like fresh and clean and always have it all together all the time. And then there's the other thing that makes me wonder like, well, maybe, you know, if, if you kind of, if you're more loose and just more of yourself and stop worrying about it so much that it actually shows more of who you are can you know can support your art I don't know I'm rambling a lot now no 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 I I can I can see what you're talking about I'd never because I'm a fan of the cure but it never I don't know any I don't think know anything about the personal trajectory of Robert Smith right there's no affairs yeah I mean well there probably maybe there were I just don't know about them you know and now like in the in the digital age like a band like you guys can probably fans can probably go research your trajectory like through posts and videos and everything from like the time you begin until the time you end like it's a because the cure also came up in a time where there was like no internet and only yeah. print media and we not everything had a narrative in yeah. that way whereas now I think even if you don't want a narrative like that narrative is constructed Right, no, I'm rambling. No, but it's no. true. <laughs> it's it's con- it's constructed, but I'm saying, but I'm like, what is there to construct? You know, we went, he- we did that. Yeah, you know, everything is like, oh, check out. The- I don't know. I guess I guess the the major point I'm making is like, Devo is a story. Brian Wilson is his own story, and maybe like maybe this maybe the interest in stories is, uh, I don't know, something to think about or something that something that is a a part of it because there's so many so many talented people and so many talented musicians but um i don't know the the importance of the things that go along with it too i don't know yeah so the stories i guess they tell us as much as the as the art sometimes well guys thank you so much for sitting down with me i really appreciate you taking the time oh no not at all
Sunflower Bean. And if you've listened to any of these shows before, you may know that I'm such a fan of the full band interview. I mean, we've done a bunch of full band interviews with the Austin bands Magna Carta and Ume, with Virginia's Sons of Bill. We talked to Nels Klein and Julian Lodge, and like they're a guitar duo, so they're a band, right? I mean, I just love hearing how each individual member's perspective contributes to like the band as a whole, the sound as a whole. And if you like listening to those kind of stories, then you can check out those interviews over at our archives on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, we would love it if you left a rating or a review. I mean, ratings and reviews, they let us know how we're doing and they help other people find us on these different platforms, which is like what we want. We want as many people as possible to hear these stories about the connection between music and art and life. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen, with help from Art Levy. Taylor Wallace curates our Instagram account and does a killer job, and William Maxwell is our excellent intern. And yes, it's true. The theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. They have a new live record out on Jim Eno's public hi-fi label. You should check it out. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song KUTX. The handle for the station is at KUTX. You can follow us on Facebook, or you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Austin Music Minute, Liner Notes, and Song of the Day on iTunes. And like I said, we'd love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained Live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.